BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So is every single part of Donald Trump's presidency a con job, just like apparently every single part of his life? I mean, he swindled his father's estate out of uh, three, four hundred million dollars and turned himself into a phony billionaire. And now we all know that that was just a con. The Trump administration, according to New York Times, is leaning on the Centers for Disease Control to come up with any reason, no matter how thin or meaningless or even stretching the truth, just to open the schools. And now we know that was all a con and probably a con to try to save Donald Trump's failing hotel businesses because the entire hotel industry is in trouble because the economy is closed functionally. And so, hey, if we can do like, you know, Ron DeSantis just did in Florida and open everything, then you can go back to your hotel and you can go back to Mar-a-Lago and Donald Trump can make money again. And you can go back to the Doral in Florida and Donald Trump can make money there too. 200,000 Americans are dead and 7.1 million now have a pre-existing condition that the insurance companies, after Auntie... Amy gets done with them in in a a month or so, the insurance companies will be able to say, "Uh, no, we're not going to treat you for your, uh, you know, for the stroke you just had because, uh, you know, it's a side effect of having had COVID and that's a pre-existing condition. Donald Trump assured us that everything was just fine. This is going to, you know, this virus is going to disappear like a miracle. That was a con. Trump insists that the forest fires that we're having in Oregon and California and Washington state, well, actually it's 12 Western states now, the the two states that were hit the worst, California and Oregon, that that was because we weren't raking our forests, honest to God. And he says that it was the president of Finland who told him that. And the president of Finland says, no, that's a lie. I never said that. It was all a con. Trump says he's going to bring our jobs home, right? He campaigned on this. We're going to bring the factories back. Actually, factories have been closing and moving overseas throughout his presidency. I mean, yeah, he threw a couple of cheap and easy tariffs on some Chinese goods, which wiped out our farmers. And then he had to bail them out with some, you know, socialism. But actually, our trade deficit with China right now is worse than when Trump came into office. And he's still making his products in China, including his maggot hats. It was all a con. 
Trump claims he's worth $10 billion, and now we find out he's massively in debt, and he's been relying on foreign criminals to support his lifestyle and credit. He borrowed $100 million about 10 years ago against Trump Tower, the only asset that he has that actually was making money, and hasn't paid a penny of it off. He's been living on that $100 million that he borrowed for the last decade. It was all a con. He's arguing, his administration is arguing in front of the Supreme Court a week after the election that Obamacare should be dumped because it's unconstitutional. And he's saying, as, he was, as he's been saying for five years now, he's going to replace it with something better, bigger, and cheaper. It's all a con. If such a thing existed, other countries would have done Oh, single payer? No, he's not going to do that. He handed $2 trillion to America's wealthiest people with his tax cut in 2017. Although his followers and the people who watch Fox News think that average working people got most of that money, but the fact is it was all just a con. He took over a million bucks from Turkey last year. And when Turkish President Erdogan demanded that the United States withdraw our troops from Syria so he could attack the Kurds, and if, and if we didn't do that, Erdogan came right out and said, you know, Donald Trump's got a couple of hotels here. I could change that. Trump rolled over and stabbed the Kurds in the back. Our allies, who put their lives on the line, were slaughtered because Donald Trump's pretend patriotism was a con. And although there's absolutely no evidence of voter fraud ever having changed in an American election, and voting by mail is actually one of the most secure systems used all around the world, Donald Trump is trash-talking our election system so that when he tries to steal the presidency through the courts or Congress, people will be more accepting of it. And it's all a con. And now he's saying that we're soon going to have access to a wonderful vaccine. And America's praying it's not just another con. Is there any part of the Trump presidency that's not a con? What an amazing, amazing time we live in. We have the worst president in the history of the United States, a guy who literally is a con artist. He's a grifter and a con artist, has been his whole entire life. He's had two big infusions of cash. The, the, the 400 million bucks that he stole from his father's estate, you know, robbing his older brother and the estates of his siblings. And then he burned through that and ended up bankrupt. And so first started turning to, as his son Eric said, you know, we don't need American banks. We get all the money we need from Russia. So he starts turning to foreign oligarchs for his money. And then he gets a gig with NBC that pays him 400 million bucks, another 400 million bucks. And he buys 15 hotel properties, golf courses around the world. And they're all losing money. This guy is absolutely broke. And now he is pushing really, really hard to open up the U.S. economy. There's no coronavirus. Everything is fine. You can go to Trump Hotel D.C. You can go to Trump Hotel Las Vegas, Mar-a-Lago. You can go to Trump Doral. Please. Your president needs you. He's running out of money. He's not sure how he's going to pay the $400 million in debt that he has that's coming due pretty soon. 
We actually don't know exactly when all of it's coming due because we don't know who he owes the money to. Does he owe it to Deutsche Bank? And if so, why did Justice Kennedy's son, who was his private personal banker at Deutsche Bank, this is the guy that I think should be testifying before Congress. At the top of my subpoena list would be Kennedy's son. But does he owe the money to Deutsche Bank? Does he owe it to Mohammed bin Salman? Is that why he's been sucking up to the Saudis ever since he won the election? Is it like Jared Kushner? He got some of the money from, you know, this fund that's heavily invested from Qatar or from uh, UAE or elsewhere in the Middle East. I mean, who does he owe this money to and what are they getting in exchange for it? Does he owe it to Russia? Is this why he won't criticize Putin? But he's not, I mean, you know, he came out and said, he told Bob Woodward that he saved Mohammed bin Salman, you know, the dictator of Saudi Arabia, that he saved his ass. That was, that was his phrase to Bob Woodward. I saved his ass. Yeah. For what? How much money did you get out of that? Maybe I'm missing something. But I don't see any aspect of his presidency that's not a con job. He's got lobbyists, industry lobbyists, in charge of virtually every federal agency. you got a defense lobbyist running the Defense Department. You've got an oil lobbyist running the Interior Department. you got a coal lobbyist running the Environmental Protection Agency. you got a tax lobbyist running the IRS. It's mind-boggling. His entire presidency is a con job. And you got a bunch of cokehead, as in Charles Koch, cokehead people like Mark Meadows now running the White House. You know, these former members of Congress who are just total. And now this uh, judicial crisis network that poured millions into ads to get Brett Kavanaugh elected. Now they're trying to do it for Auntie Amy. This is the Tom Hartman program. Is there any part of his presidency that's not a con? Am I missing something here? On the line with us is uh, a guy who knows Donald Trump very well. He wrote Art of the Deal as the ghostwriter for Donald Trump, Tony Schwartz. He's also the author of a new audible audiobook dealing with the devil, My Mother, Trump, and Me. His website, Tony Schwartz, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z.com. That's also his Twitter handle, Tony Schwartz. Tony, welcome back to the program. It's been a while since we talked. I'm curious your take, the national security implications of discovering that Donald Trump is over $400 million in debt. He's going to have to start paying it off fairly soon, and he may owe the IRS another $100 million. Well, I think this is just one more piece of evidence for the absence of character that defines Trump and makes him such a dangerous president. He was already incredibly dangerous, already incredibly dangerous relative to national security, not least because the people he embraces are almost exclusively autocratic leaders, and the ones he disdains are the democratic leaders of the world and our allies for many years. Now you add to this the fact that he could be beholden to foreign powers, and that simply makes it worse. I think, in addition, 
what the New York Times revelations about his taxes make clear is that whatever it turns out the legality, technical legality or the illegality of his massive avoidance of tax is, there's no question that this guy has been doing something that no one could consider ethical or reasonable for someone of his wealth to do. Which is? To avoid paying taxes on hundreds of millions of dollars of income and take deductions like $70,000 for haircuts. Right. And and apparently he's using some of the same techniques that his father used to shovel money to him, you know, to get around the estate tax, to shovel money to Ivanka, which is kind of mind boggling. The thing that really strikes me is that it seems like Donald Trump has we're in the second cycle of kind of the same game. When he was a young man, you know, he was supposed to get a certain amount of money from his dad. Let's say, you know, a hundred million dollars. He ended up getting what, four hundred million dollars from his dad at the expense of his older brother and his other siblings and their families. And after threatening to cut off health insurance to to a nephew that had cystic fibrosis or something, you know, a badly disabled child, he lays his hands on 400 million bucks back in the day. That would be like a billion dollars in today's money. And then he just spends it like a drunken sailor. He buys an airline, he buys hotels, he buys casinos, he builds casinos, he buys a steak company, he buys a vodka company, he buys a winery. The guy seems to be running like a 10 year old, right? I want, I want, I want. And then he runs them so badly, they all run into the ground. He declares bankruptcy five or six times. He's flat out of cash. He's maybe even looking at homelessness. And NBC gives him a lifeline, The Apprentice Show. He makes another $400 million off The Apprentice Show. And what does he do with that money? He buys golf courses all around the world. And they are going broke, too. And so now he's like desperate for cash, just like he was back then, but NBC isn't going to bail him out. How does he get bailed out if it's not by foreign oligarchs like bailed out Jared Kushner? Yeah, I mean, a perfectly reasonable question. He has always gone to whoever is willing to do business with him, and obviously that's a massively sunken group. No legitimate banks anymore will do business with him. So, so yeah, that's all, that's all the case. When you were working with Donald Trump, did you have any sense of how mobbed up he was? Or would you even use that as a phrase to describe him? I'm not sure in 1987 that I had a window into him deeply enough to have said mobbed up or to have said that what he's running is an organized crime syndicate, which I certainly would say today. But what mm-hmm. I did know is that he was a, a man of very, very limited, eventually I realized was no conscience and no capacity for empathy, for care. And those are two extraordinary qualities for a human being to lack. When you don't have conscience and you don't have empathy, all you're left with is you. And it's either dominate or be dominated. And that's been Donald Trump's story all his life. We're talking with Tony Schwartz, Trump's ghostwriter for Art of the Deal. Tony, you've got a new book out, Dealing with the Devil, My Mother, Trump, and Me. Audible audiobook that you can find online. Tell us about it. Well, you know, I really, when I, when I finished working with uh, Trump and I felt very actually dispirited and uncertain what to do with my life, I really went on a search for what I guess I would call meaning. I wanted to find some alternative to the life he so, in such an exaggerated way, represented the life of money, power, fame doing whatever you have to do to get ahead. 
and you know, I myself had been on some of that same journey. I think probably in a slightly more honorable way, but the idea that I could define who I was by how much I accomplished was very much in my head. And the reason was that like Trump, or I should say we both were wounded in terms of our upbringing in similar ways. He had a really vicious, aggressive, overwhelming father and a neglectful mother. I had a really tough, difficult, unforgiving mother and a neglectful father, and both of us were impelled to look outward to find approval, love, acceptance that wasn't available at home. And that's something that, to a greater or lesser degree, almost every human being has to contend with and struggle with. And I found and wanted to write about that the more I was willing to face the truth, the more I was willing to see, even if it felt incredibly uncomfortable, the freer I became. Hmm. So, wow. There have been books written you know, about how, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there have been entire books written about how people whose parents die before they become teenagers, one of their parents die before they become teenagers, tend to be massive overachievers in the world. And it's like they're trying to prove something to the dead parent. The reality is that we have shunned as a society, as a culture, attention to the inner life, to what people feel, to their beliefs and their biases and their fears, all the stuff that is uncomfortable to contend with and to reckon with. But the problem is that if you are someone who has uh, some experience of difficulty in growing up and you are looking for a way to prove yourself, you will end up defending and trying to announce your value to the world with a lot of energy, which will be at the expense of really being able to create value in the world or to feel hmm. it, in fact, yourself. That's Trump's issue. That's the heart of, you don't have to feel compassion for him, but, you know, for people in that circumstance, they are constantly fighting a deficit. Yeah, I get it. I'm looking forward to listening to your new Audible book, Dealing with the Devil, My Mother Trump and Me. TonySchwartz.com is the website and the Twitter handle. Tony, thanks a lot for dropping by. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Boy, what an amazing day. We may be starting to figure out why Brad Parscal is on suicide watch. And that's absolutely fascinating. Plus, the coolest comeback ever from the Biden campaign. Donald Trump yesterday or day before yesterday said that he wants Joe Biden to have a drug test. The Biden campaign responded. This is Biden's deputy campaign manager, Kate Bedingfield. She says, Vice President Biden intends to deliver his debate answers in words. If the president thinks his best case is made in urine, he can have at it. We'd expect nothing less from Donald Trump, who pissed away the chance to protect the lives of 200,000 Americans when he didn't make a plan to stop COVID-19. Is that a reference to golden showers? I don't know. I just don't know. Okay, so why might it be that Brad Parscale is on suicide watch right now, the guy who was running Trump's campaign in 2016, or at least running the digital side of it, the Facebook side of it, the Cambridge Analytica side of it? Well, Channel 4, which is apparently a major British station, has Channel 4 News, 
reveals a huge Trump campaign data leak exposing how three and a half million black Americans were listed as deterrents to stop them from voting in 2016. Yeah. Hey, you know, Greg Palace has been saying this all along, but now it's just cracking wide open. Hashtag is deterring democracy that is going just viral right now. Apparently, Jared Kushner is in the middle of this as well. David Carroll, at Prof Carroll, P-R-O-F-C-I-A-R-R-O-L-L, is a place to start. I have not yet had an opportunity to tweet that out or retweet it. I will do so when we hit the break at the top of the next hour. But I'm wondering if that's why Brad Parscal is talking about suicide, because they're about to get big time busted for big time, big time, big time election fraud. John in Los Angeles. Hey, John, thanks for listening to KPFK. What's up? I think the most important thing, I mean, aside from obviously he's a tax evader and that, you know, so many people in business are. I mean, that's ridiculous, but it is the way it is. I pay more taxes than the president of the United States or the business. John, you have not yet heard me object. I quoted the Pope. I, did I quote the Pope or did I, did I not get to that? The Pope was saying he, that tax evasion is a sin because people who need hospital beds don't have them because others didn't pay taxes. But my objection to Donald Trump is not that he only paid $750 in taxes. My objection to Donald Trump is that he owes $400 million. We don't know who he owes it to. We do know that he has to start paying it back in two years. And we know that there's a very good chance that if the United States IRS prevails, he's also going to owe $100 million to the federal government. And he has no plan to get that money that any of us can tell. I don't mind if he's beholden to the IRS. I mind if he's beholden to some oligarch somewhere. I mean, let's face it, Wilbur Ross was the vice president of the Bank of Cyprus. That's an oligarch bank. It's a very well-known oligarch bank. Now, Wilbur Ross is in his cabinet. You know, Wilbur Ross was the person who orchestrated the sale of Trump's dinosaur. He had another house down in Florida. I don't know if it was in Palm Beach or where it was. And, the you know, the fertilizer magnet from Russia bought it at a huge profit. But Trump was about to get a $50 million profit. Yeah. I didn't know that Wilbur Ross brokered that. Huh. He was the vice president of the Bank of Cyprus, and this oligarch uh, was a very, you know, a lot of his money was in the Bank of Cyprus. That's where they put their money, these guys. Yeah. So it's dirty from the get-go, and I would only add that I've been depressed for three and a half, three-plus years, and it's, I realize why. It's because Trump's the president. Once he's gone, I'll, be, I'll feel better. I won't need any medication. Well, they're actually, uh, I was reading yesterday, I think it was in the New York Times, that dentists around the country are reporting an increase in emergency dental work because people are gritting their teeth so hard that they're cracking their teeth. Um, well, you know, it's uh, I, I don't know. I a visible sign of anxiety. Psychiatrists are, you know, prescriptions for antidepressants are massively up. That'll alleviate millions and millions of people being depressed in this country if we vote this man out and we all get our crap together and get him out. And that's the bottom line is is we've got to do that. And, and it's looking looking like Joe Biden is, you know, just like unbeatable way far ahead. The question is, you know, is Trump going to be able to pull off some kind of legal BS, legal razzle dazzle here to steal the election like George W. Bush did in 2000? And if so, will the American people put up with it? I mean, we all kind of bit the bullet and went along with it in 2000, in large part because Al Gore told us to. I'm not sure that Joe Biden is going to tell us to this time. And it was the same thing in 2004, John Kerry. John Edwards was seriously pissed. He did not want Kerry to concede in Ohio in 2004. And yeah, yeah. was on this show ranting about it. 
So, but I think it's going to be different this time. John, thank you for the call. The other thing I think that's different about it is that Americans know how aggressively now the Republicans have been working for 40 years to suppress the vote. It, it had been an issue that just was not to be discussed in the media. Politicians didn't want to talk about it. Reporters didn't want to talk about it. They all thought it was crackpot, tinfoil hat stuff. Now they know that it's the core of the Republican voter strategy. Deborah in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hey, Deborah, what's up? I just read a book. I think you may have actually previewed it on your show called Dark Towers. And it's about Deutsche Bank, which is a German mm-hmm. bank, and their business with Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump ran through all of the American banks, and they would no longer lend to him because he just, you know, he didn't pay him, And so he had to go out of the country to get loans because he lives on loans. He doesn't actually really earn as much as he lives on. So Deutsche Bank is also known to be a money laundering bank for the Russian oligarchs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. He also stiffed Deutsche Bank, too, but the last actual loan he got, he had to take out on his personal recognizance and mm-hmm. swear that he would pay it back personally out of his assets. Well, the guy who wrote it suggested, now that was like, it's more now, but back then in the book it was like $345 million, which is unbelievable. But they suggested, but they did not have documentation for the fact that Russia and the oligarchs, which launder money through Deutsche Bank, promised to pay back his personal money that he owed. I'm sure that's why he never says anything about Putin, because Putin controls the oligarchs. So that was a very interesting book. If you haven't read it, you should. I have read parts of it. and Yeah, we did a book report of it on this program. And, yeah. and that's the big uh, question. I, I, Which of the Russian oligarchs, you know, backed up Trump's loans? And, you know, we just don't know. But it's a great question. Deborah, thank you. Thank you for that. George in Livingston, Texas. Hey, George, what's up? I was just wondering, you know, I'm a vet, and you were talking about those three guys in Mar-a-Lago that were determining what they're going to give the vets for suicide. My question is, after they get all that money, I'm sure that Trump probably gets a kickback. I'm sure that after he plays golf, he doesn't go and play tiddlywinks with them and just fooled around. He gets money, and that's how he determines everything. That's how he determines who gets put in cages. That's how he determines everything. That's his method. What do you think? I think you're right, George. We don't have any specific evidence of this outside of the, you know, like the Saudis renting an entire floor of the Trump Hotel for a week at a time. Governments coming into town and needing one room and buying 20. And, you know, these are like small grifts, you know, small gifts. It amounts to a few million dollars a year that Trump is making here and there that way. And, and of course, you know, redirecting American tankers and, and, you know, jet airplanes to little airports in Scotland so that the people can stay at his apartment. But we don't yet have a kind of smoking gun like, you know, Erdogan gave him money in exchange for stabbing the Kurds in the back or, you know, or Putin did exactly. or something like that. And the guys who are running the VA, they're all paying 200000 bucks a year to uh, Trump for his, or $200,000 initiation fee anyway, I'm not sure the annual fees, for Mar-a-Lago. And Mar-a-Lago's revenue has certainly gone up. But it would not I'm surprise sure me. more than that. 
Yeah, it would not surprise me at all if there's a whole bunch of back-channel money going on. And I think that this release of his tax returns here, this is going to be the cork that pops out that pretty soon the whole dam starts to crack. We'll see. George, thanks for the call. One of the questions I'd like to put on the table is if we're going to do a drinking game for debate, what are the words? Given the current state of things, we should bar drinking games altogether because I don't want to have, you know, a bunch of people having alcoholic liver disease as a consequence of Donald Trump's presidency. And and I'm actually hearing from people in the medical field that that's happening, which is, uh, you know, really not a good thing. McKay Coppins is writing in The Atlantic today about how Donald Trump is a big fan of the televangelists. A former campaign advisor recalled showing his boss, that would be Donald Trump, a YouTube video of the Israeli televangelist Benny Hinn performing faith healings. Trump laughed at the spectacle and muttered, man, that's some racket. The advisor said Trump expressed awe at Joel Osteen's media empire, particularly the viewership of the televised sermons. The viewership, look at this, millions of people are watching these people. Maybe I could get it on that racket. Trump thinks, yeah, maybe. The New York Daily News is reporting that, and I quote, the Trump administration has secretly siphoned nearly $4 million away from a program that tracks and treats Fire Department of New York firefighters and medics suffering from 9-11 related illnesses. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin has so far ignored bipartisan calls to restore this funding. The Republican congressman from New York, Peter King, said that he wrote to Secretary Mnuchin saying, you know, where's the four million bucks to help out New York's firefighters? And uh, this is what King told the Daily News, quote, I don't even care what the details of this thing is. That fund has got to be fully compensated, fully reimbursed. I mean, this is absurd. Uh, No words so far from the administration. Meanwhile, a cancer survivor called into Senator Tom Tillis' office and talked with a staffer and (laughs) recorded the conversation uh, once they figured out how weird it was. Bev Veals is her name. She's from Carolina Beach, North Carolina. She's calling Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina's office, and she's talking about how she or her husband had, yeah, she had previously faced medical bankruptcy and difficulty accessing care, and her husband was furloughed because of the pandemic, and she wanted assurance that even though they have no income and they have pre-existing conditions, that they're not going to lose their health insurance. And this is, and he said something, the guy who answered the phone said something crappy to her. And she said, you're saying that if you can't afford it, you don't get to have it. And that includes health care. And the staffer says, yeah, just like if I want to go to the store and buy a new dress shirt, if I can't afford that dress shirt, I don't get to get it. And she said, but health care is something people need, especially if they have cancer, which one of them had had. And he says, well, you got to find a way to get it. And she says, so what do I do in the meantime? And he says, sounds like something you're going to have to figure out. So, you know, this went to uh, Tom Tillis' office. And his office has now come out and said, well, we apologize. He was insensitive. And she's saying, wait a minute, you voted 15 times to do away with the Affordable Care Act and end her protection 
because she had this pre-existing condition, either she or her husband, of cancer. To 15 times Tom Tillis voted to eliminate health care coverage for Americans. And to block, and, and was a big advocate of blocking the expansion of Medicaid in the state that he represents in the Senate, North Carolina. So, you know, yeah, apologies. <laughs> We're learning that Donald Trump apparently ha- was having, you know, some kind of just weird thing going on with Kim Jong-un, where they were literally writing love letters to each other. I mean, this is uh, just totally strange. And, uh, and then Kim told him, uh, Trump says, oh, he tells me everything. He tells me everything. And this uh, Jang Song Fake was the uncle of uh, Kim Jong-un, of you know, the current, current head of North Korea. And uh, Kim didn't like his uncle. So this is what Trump said to Bob Woodward. He killed his uncle and put the body right on the steps of the, of the Capitol there. And the head was cut. It was sitting on the chest. And Trump apparently thought this was, uh, like, way cool. I mean, this is what dictators get to do, right? I mean, he's called for Hillary Clinton to be put in prison. He's called for Comey to be put in prison, Andrew McCabe to be put in prison, Peter Strzok to be put in prison, all these people who were calling him out for being a traitor to America. He's saying, okay, let's kill them all or stick them in jail or whatever. Uh, but, but, you know, really what he would like is to be like Kim Jong-un or Mohammed bin Salman. And, and with regard to Mohammed bin Salman, the dictator of Saudi Arabia, uh, this story is, is uh, mind-boggling. Um, speaking uh, after Mohammed bin Salman flew a special plane into, into Washington or into Turkey, into, yeah, into Turkey, which is where the embassy was. Well, let, me, let me get the chronology right. Jared Kushner provides his buddy. They sit up until the middle of the night chatting. They're both in their 30s. He provides MBS with a list of activists, is the phrase. In other words, people who, who are opposing his regime in Saudi Arabia. Jamal Khashoggi's name is apparently on that list. Within a few weeks, Mohammed bin Salman has maneuvered Khashoggi, who's in, in the Middle East at the time, he's in Turkey, to come to the to the Saudi embassy in Turkey to pick up a permit to marry his wife, because he's still a Saudi citizen. And, and in the meantime, MBS, uh, it is alleged, moves, flies a plane into Turkey, a special plane equipped with bone saws. They met Khashoggi in the embassy, cut off his fingers as he screamed, and we have the audio tape of this. It was released by, uh, you know, the, the, the new, you know, by, by Turkey's president, uh, Erdogan. Cut off his fingers as he screamed. The Saudi ambassador was comp- could be heard complaining about how much blood was getting on the floor. Then they cut his body up. They, uh, they broke his body into pieces and they burned it. They incinerated it in a special oven that they had built in the backyard of the Turkish, the Saudi compound in Turkey just to dispose of this body. Okay, so that's what happened. Jared Kushner gives him the information. He acts on it, kills this guy. Jamal Khashoggi is a columnist for the Washington Post. His permanent residence is in Washington, D.C. And what does Donald Trump have to say about this? 
He's talking about Mohammed bin Salman. He says, I saved his ass. I was able to get Congress to leave him alone. I was able to get them to stop. That's what he told Bob Woodward. And then Jared Kushner's ra- traveling around the Middle East trying to get a billion dollars because the, the mortgage is due on his uh, 666 Fifth Avenue property that he overpaid for back in the day. And as you know, part of the advice that he got from his daddy when his daddy got out of jail, um, buy a newspaper, build, buy a stat, high-status building. He bought the New York Observer, a little newspaper. He bought 666 Fifth Avenue and marry a woman who's rich and famous. And he married Ivanka Trump. So what happens? Well, Cutter, Kushner's trying to get a billion dollars from Cutter. Cutter says no. Saudi Arabia blockades Cutter in a way that damages their economy to the tune of $20 billion a month. And so at the last minute, Cutter, or a fund that is funded by Cutter, gives Kushner a $1.8 billion check. And Ben Salman releases the blockade. And then Trump uses emergency authority to give $8 billion worth of arms to Saudi Arabia to bomb more civilians in Yemen over the objections of Congress. And what does Trump say? Saudi Arabia, I get along great with all of them. They buy apartments from me. They spend $40, $50 million. Am I supposed to dislike them? I like them very much. That's what he said at a campaign rally back in the day, back when he was running for president. I mean, that's that's where we're at now. We've got a grifter in the White House. His son-in-law is not just a grifter. His father went to prison for being a grifter. His his kids are grifters, Trump's. And this grift is literally leading to dictators around the world killing people, bragging to Trump about it. And then Trump is bragging to Bob Woodward about it. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com Hartman. That's netsuite.com Hartman. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. 
Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Matt in Austin, Texas. Hey, Matt, what's up? I've been studying on this Trump family, and I go back mm-hmm. to the grandfather, Frederick Trump, and do you know a lot about him? Because here's something I found out, that he came to the United States, he went to the gold fields, he opened what they call a restaurant whorehouse. He got his money from that. He went back to Germany. He was then going to settle in Germany and be a rich man, but he was going to be charged with desertion in Germany. So he came back to the United States. And the significant thing that I think is that he died during the Spanish flu in 1918. So now we have a guy whose grandfather was the foundation of his fortune, and he just completely oblivious to people dying of the pandemic when his own grandfather died in the pandemic. It's amazing, isn't it? It really, it really, and his grandfather was a draft dodger who was facing prosecution in Germany for being a draft dodger, and Donald is a draft dodger. Exactly why he left and came back to the States. His mother took over Friedrich Trump's business, his building business, and she carried that on until she handed it off to Fred Trump. And that's where this whole mess got started. And she was also very tight. She had that kind of Trump. She was a grifter, too. It It definitely seems to run in the family. I said it definitely seems to run in the family. The thing that I'm waiting to hear is, and again, this is the kind of stuff that probably we'll hear a year from now. Now that the New York Times has shown that Donald Trump handed Ivanka 700 and some odd thousand dollars Um, and Ivanka listed it as income, and he called it consulting fees. Um, That's not a tax tax dodge, uh, per se, because she had to pay income taxes on the money. Although, uh, you know, you could argue that maybe he did it for tax purposes. And I'm not certain that that's even necessarily trying to get around the, the estate tax, you know, passing money to your kids. My guess is that it was his way of giving money to Ivanka that he didn't want to have to give to uh, Don Jr. and Eric. You know, they're not getting consulting fees, and Ivanka is. And, and I think it's because she's, she's the favorite kid, and he's, he's trying to shovel cash to her. And, I mean, he is paying, you know, both of their significant others. He's paying Eric's uh, wife $180,000 a year, and he's paying Don Jr.'s girlfriend, Kimberly Guilfoyle, $180,000 a year. Uh, you know, for what? I, you know, for being, you know sleeping with the Trump boys every night, I guess. You, you know, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it, and it's a well-paid job, apparently. But yeah. this goes all the way back to Grandpa Fred running a whorehouse in California or in Alaska or wherever it was. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. Has anyone looked at the taxes of these children who are running a business which should have been in a blind trust? 
So they're yeah. running a business for Donald Trump. I'd like to know what their taxes look like. And Jared Kushner and the billion dollars that he successfully extracted from the Middle East after Qatar got blockaded by Saudi Arabia. And I believe it was on behalf of Jared Kushner. Don't know, but uh, that's my opinion. Matt, thank you for the call. Robert in McCormick, South Carolina. Hey, Robert, what's up? I got a comment that I wanted to say because of the fact I think everybody in America should be offended at our president for saying some of the things he has said. I mean, I'm saying everybody. I got drafted and went in the Army in 1968. I feel as though I was doing my duty. I found out the president lied and called the rest of us that went dumb and stupid. Okay, if he got out and called himself smart, now he's surveying all his taxes with everybody in America is paying taxes. He said he didn't pay no taxes because he's smart. So if he's smart, that means all the rest of us are dumb and stupid. So how are you going to have a president that consider everybody dumb and stupid and he's taking advantage of all of us getting over on everybody and he is the president? Now, how is right. that? I think the larger point here, Robert, is that it sets a terrible example, <laughs> you know, but it's one that's consistent with the Republicans. I mean, this this goes back to Ronald Reagan saying that government is the problem, not the solution. It goes back to the starve the beast strategy that, you know, we've got to cut taxes and therefore cut funding to programs. You don't want government helping average people. Uh, you know, this is the, there's actually a whole philosophical construct here that that Trump is running off. And and it's this is why I think that and Robert, thank you for the call on that. Your points are perfect. This is why I think that it's a mistake that Joe Biden is running ads that are showing how much income tax are being paid by teachers and construction managers. Instead, uh, response to the revelations in The New York Times about Trump's tax returns and the fact that he only paid 750 bucks in taxes. I think that the question that should be asked is point that should be made is not average working people pay more in taxes than Trump. Yeah, you know, everybody understands that. The billionaires have gamed the system forever. That's not, uh, you know, a scandal or an outrage any longer. It's something that needs to be fixed. And, and I think it is scandalous and outrageous, but, you know, the average American, particularly the average Republican voter, will just say, yeah, he is a smart guy. He's a billionaire. Instead, the question that should be asked is, who does Donald Trump owe $400 million to? Where's he going to get the money when it comes to time to pay it off? And what has he done as president to help satisfy his creditors? Because we know it's not an American bank because there's no American bank that'll loan him money. Hasn't been for 20 years. And I, I, I really think that that's... That's the thing that, you know, we need to be paying big time attention to. Ed in Palm Bay, Florida. Hey, Ed, what's on your mind today? Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I was just thinking that Biden really, really needs to hit him head on. I mean, you know, the guy's an egotistical narcissist. So if you call him out on his lies and just basically laugh at him in his face, it'll be it will just become completely unhinged. I truly yeah, I think that. ridicule is the is probably the most effective tool to use against him because he has no sense of humor. He doesn't know how to deal with it. He can't tell. Yeah, a yeah. I mean, if you make joke. him look small, you make him look small, and it's, he he just can't take it. I actually used to was a in the '90s a, a union roofer in Manhattan, and uh, I was one of the thousands of people that he stepped us on two of our jobs. And yeah, he's just really he's tell just me about not it. A good man. Oh, you well, the first one he he you know they they litigated it. And he wound up having to pay, but it was for like, you know, 
pennies on the dollar. And then the second mm-hmm. time he used like a shell. I don't remember the, I was, you know, in like mid twenties, but you know, I think it was like, like a shell company that recon, you know, hired us. And, uh, same thing. I actually moved down to Florida and was, uh, in Okeechobee doing a job and I wound up becoming, you know, talking to this gas station owner who had a friend worked at his Doral golf course as his landscaper. And after his work was all said and done, you know, Trump would actually move this tree here, move it there. I don't like this. I don't like that. The guy invoiced him for the, you know, all the final bill. And it was about maybe like 1.2 mil. And he basically wrote him a check for like 200 grand. And the guy, I believe he was undocumented. So he was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. That is consistent with everything that we've heard about Donald Trump and how he does business over the years, that basically everything he does is a con. I mean, he, the guy's been sued over 3,000 times from, by people saying that he screwed them. And, uh, and when you add the lawsuits around Trump University and things like that, it's, the number's probably much greater than that. So, Ed, thanks for sharing your story with us. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, good talking to you. Thank you. Toby in Louisville, Kentucky. It says here you disagree with me, Toby. What's up? Oh, yeah. Well, how can you say he's the worst president ever when the man got the USMCA passed? He got a crime bill passed that the half-black president never got passed. He, uh, got okay. Hey, Toby, let's just take these one at a time, okay? Uh, you, you throw them up and I'll lock them down. Number one, what did okay. you say? That you, you're talking about the trade deal. Okay. Well, that that like deal offers any company that wants to shut down a factory in the United States and move it to Mexico, they their tax gets cut in half. That well, deal that Donald before. Trump negotiated. No, it's true. It's You can look it up. That deal that Donald Trump negotiated with Mexico, the USMCA, actually makes it easier for companies to offshore their factories to Mexico. And in fact, several companies have done it since he signed the deal. So, okay, number one. Number two, what was the second thing you said? How about the crime bill? The crime bill, the the main thing that that crime bill does, and this is why the Koch brothers were in favor of it, is it's got what's called a mens rea piece in it. Mens rea is Latin for state of mind. And, And basically what that crime bill accomplished was saying that unless you can prove, if a, if a, if a company, if a CEO of a company says, uh, you know, uh, don't, don't, don't build that safety thing into that car or, you know, go ahead and dump that poison into the river and somebody dies as a result of the decision that the CEO made, you now, it used to be you could hold the CEO accountable for it. Now you have to prove that the CEO actually told somebody that they intended to kill people with that decision. Uh, the crime bill was entirely about protecting CEOs. Next. It wasn't about letting black people have a second chance. No, not so much. They, it, first of all, it only applied to federal crimes. Uh, it, it, there were a, a couple hundred people who qualified for early release from prison, federal crimes, okay. and some were black and okay, some were white. Most of the federal crimes, saying, though, are not black I, people. That, go the ahead. point I'm trying to make, though, is the man Everybody says he's a clown. My God, his kids, he's riding around in a big 747 with his name on the side with properties all over the world. And I know a little bit about money. And if you owe $400 million to banks and other places, you've got to have a dime or two and we worth something because nobody will give you $400 million if you're a clown. So that first thing, um, I mean, you can't even go in the bank and borrow 10 grand if you got 10 grand. 
You know, Donald Trump has not been able to borrow money from an American bank since 1996. No American bank has been willing to lend him money. He's been borrowing this money from Deutsche Bank and from foreign oligarchs. Well, I mean, they're not. Doesn't it concern you, Toby, that the guy who's making decisions for this country may owe $400 million to, to some guy in Russia or to Saudi Arabia? Doesn't that concern you? Are, are you not concerned that decisions are being made right now? And, and he has no way of paying it back. I mean, we now know what his cash flow is like. And in two or three years, he's going to really have a crunch. If he's president, it'll be harder for people to foreclose. He could just sell a couple golf courses and a couple hotels. He'd be flush of cash. I mean, he don't even take. You can't a right out. now. Nobody's buying Nobody's those things right now, Toby. Their value is in the crapper. It, it the the COVID. This is why he's trying to open the country. He's he's already killed two hundred thousand Americans and got seven million Americans who have now he a pre-existing condition. Let me tell you right now. I was at Walmart earlier in Louisville, and I'll tell you what I told Daddy. You can't blame Donald Trump. These, these people were in Walmart, backed out the door. He couldn't get in the gas station. Lowe's was packed. People won't stay out of the shit. People are crazy. There's, I mean, That's because they're believing the president. They're doing what oh Americans God. have done ever since George Washington. They're believing the president. And the problem, Toby, well, sure is that this president is lying to them. Half of them's Democrats, I'm sure. The country's 50-50, basically, 42-42 or something like that. But now, God Almighty, everywhere I go, there's just people everywhere. Now, they might have on man. I'm telling you, Toby, those... Those people you're seeing are the people who are watching Fox News. The the people who are the people who are actually listening to the news or reading the newspaper. They're they're not they're not showing up without masks. They're not crazy. Well, you can't watch CNN, MSNBC. They're they're not political. There are they just dog the everything. You know one thing I think about though that I can't hardly vote for Joe Biden. He's been there for eight years. Him and Obama. I mean, why didn't they try to and they and he took the economy from the from the worst crash Trump. since the Great Depression and yeah, and put it on a trajectory to, to do really well. Why didn't Trump just sit on his butt and do nothing? I mean, they didn't do nothing the time they was there, just being president. Oh, Trump could have okay. done that. He started right. all kinds of trouble, trade agreements, and I mean, the man is not. Yeah, just ruined our farmers, didn't it? Ruined our farmers. Right. Toby, good talking to you. I hope you call again. Thank you for the call. Mark in Colombia in South America. I'm Mark, I'm sorry, I didn't notice that you were calling from outside the country. I would have put you on earlier. What's up? Oh, not a problem, Tom. Thanks. I wanted to talk about the debate. I agree with Nancy Pelosi. I don't think Biden should have consented to debate this guy because if you do, you're normalizing this guy. He doesn't deserve to be treated as a normal presidential candidate. And by debating him, you're just throwing him a lifeline now. Okay, because he can get on there and just start lying and lying, which he will. And hey, what's Chris Wallace going to do? Is he going to try and fact check him every single lie? And, no, he's already said he's not going debate? to. His job is to be invisible. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know. I, I, I don't uh, you know, think of him as a president. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I'm with you, but it's, a, it's an argument that, you know, we all tried to make months ago and Nancy Pelosi tried to make and then Biden wasn't having it. So we're just going to have to hope for the best. And, and you know, and Joe Biden's not not even remotely incompetent. He just doesn't speak well because of his speech impediment. Anyhow, we'll be back. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
So I just have to tell you an amazing story. Mark Sumner lays this out over at Daily Kos. This is not unique to me. This is where I got this. Although Mark is basically pulling together information from publicly available sources and talking about what's going on in Scotland right now. I have some good friends who live literally just down the road from, from Trump's Scottish uh, property, his Turnberry property. Uh, in fact, we were talking on Skype about three weekends ago about it and the weird stuff that's going on there. But here's the game that Trump has been playing. He's, let's, I'll just make up numbers here for purposes of example. Let's say that Turnberry Scotland is worth $100 million. So Trump says, okay, it's worth $100 million. Then the next year, you know, and he, he declares that value uh, and, and pays property taxes on it and everything, right? It's $100 million bucks. Then the next year, he says, you know, the value of this has gone up by 5%. It's now worth $105 million, which isn't how you would do a tax avoidance scheme, right? You would say, no, it's worth less. And in fact, that land in that part of Scotland is actually declining in value right now because the North Sea oil business is just, it absolutely sucks because demand for oil is down. So, but in any case, he says, now it's worth $105 million, to use my made-up numbers. And then what he does is he loans himself $5 million and says, okay, I, Donald Trump, am now owed $5 million from Donald Trump. And he puts $5 million of cash into his checking account and then lives off it for a while. And he's been living on money like this for years. Which raises the question, where the hell did that cash come from? Where'd he get the $5 million that he's saying, oh, well, the value of the property just went up $5 million, so I will loan myself $5 million. Where'd the money come from? Nobody knows. The best guess, and now the government of Scotland is investigating this, the best guess is that Trump is running a money laundering operation like mob bosses do. In other words, some oligarch, you know, the, 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 here's, the, here's why money laundering is so important. You've got to have, if you're going to spend money, you have to be able to show where it came from. Right? If I was to suddenly, you know, buy a million dollar house down the street here, and, and I don't have, and I, I can tell you, I don't have a million dollar income. Uh, the IRS could legitimately come to me and say, where'd that money come from? And if I couldn't answer that question, I'm guilty of money laundering. So it looks like this is what Trump is doing. That he's got, there's some oligarch someplace that wants to give him five million bucks. Or maybe $50 million. And he's got to do this, the same little thing over 20 different properties. But somebody wants to give him $5 million. He sends his son over to their country. His, his sons have been traveling internationally like crazy lately. And, you know, we're paying all the costs, of course, and all the security costs. So he sends one of his kids over to uh, fill in the blank. And they come home with $5 million in cash. They give that money to Donald. Donald deposits it in the bank. 
The banker says, where'd this $5 million come from? And Donald says, I just loaned it to myself. I took it out of one of my accounts and I put it into another one of my accounts. I just loaned it to myself. Don't worry, it's all good. I loaned it to myself based on the increased value of my property in Scotland. And the bank goes, okay, cool, because they're happy to have $5 million in their bank, right? They're gonna make money on that. They can, they can loan out now $500 million. I think this is worse than a Ponzi scheme. I think Donald Trump is up to his eyeballs in stuff, and he never thought he'd get caught because he never thought he'd become president. I think he's up to his eyeballs in stuff that is is we're gonna we're gonna that that is worse than Bernie Madoff stuff. It's worse than Ponzi scheme stuff because it involves taking millions, probably over the course of years, hundreds of millions of dollars from foreign oligarchs. We'll see. But uh, the piece that Mark uh, wrote in, in the Daily Coast is titled, Buried in Trump's Taxes, What's Going On at His Golf Resorts Makes No Sense Unless It's a Lie. And really, it's a problem. Bill in Westchester, Illinois. Hey, Bill, last yeah. minute, what's up? Hi, you've been discussing taxes in the debates tonight. Donald Trump wrote off over a quarter million dollars to porn stars. And Michael Cohen yeah. got the checks. So it's just something people can understand that real quick. Well, he wrote it off. He didn't write it. I mean, there's no line item deduction that the IRS allows for paying off porn star mistresses. <laughs> but what he did, there is a line item deduction for paying your lawyer. And so he, Trump wrote this off as mm -hmm. a legal expense, which is a crime, tax fraud. And it's right there for all of us to see. And Michael Cohen got 30 months in prison for tax fraud, for income tax fraud. And by the way, he went to prison for committing income tax fraud. And this was paying off Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal on behalf of Donald Trump. And it's like, <laughs> when did we forget that part of it? Bill, thank you. Be good to yourself and people around you. Get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.